like to thank you all for continuing to invite me back. We've got a wonderful young family here that's helping this congregation out, and I appreciate y'all having me back from time to time. I'm going to start out by telling you that I probably preached this sermon here four or five, six years ago, but it's something that we could preach once a year, and it, we would need it every time. Or Let me rephrase that. I would need it every time because it's something that I, I struggle with quite a bit. Uh, I, I go for a small or short period of time, and it's easy. And then I just forget about it. I hate to say it that way, but I can't say it any other way. I get busy with other things, and I don't continue to work on it. And talking about personal evangelism, it's not going to be an exhaustive um, uh, lesson, hopefully not uh, this afternoon. What it, what it all brought about was many years ago, I taught a high school class at Overland, and they have a, and it's a book by Brent, uh, Brent Hunter. I'll show it to you because I'm using his, the first page out of his book. It's Personal Evangelism 101, and it's a wonderful, very, as he says, nuts and bolts approach. It's very simple. Helped me to understand what I wasn't doing and what I needed to be doing. But anyway, they have a, a kind of a condensed version of this, and I used it in the high school class, and it has a, a first page right here. Number one, how do I feel about personal evangelism? And it has a series of questions. And we're not going to go through all those in depth. We'll, we'll hit on a lot of them this evening. And I filled it out, ready to teach the class now. Here I am, an adult, and here's these young kids in there. And when we came in and sat down, I actually started feeling this way before we got there. I was embarrassed about the answers because I'd been completely and brutally honest with myself about answering these questions. And when I looked at my answers, it showed me, staring me dead in the face, how much I wasn't doing. And I was embarrassed. We talked about it. And I said, if you'd like to share something, but I, I admitted to him, I said, you know, it shows me where I'm lacking in a lot of areas and it shows me what I need to be doing. And we're not going to talk about um, certain methods or anything like that. But um, I, I do want to tell you that uh, to pick this up or he says you can tear these apart and make copies of them. I, I'll, I'll make you a copy of this if you, if you want to at the end of the lesson. But when I was talking to a sister over at Overland, um, uh, sister Angie Baker, she was down at Florida College many years ago, and Brent Hunter was, and he's the author of this, uh, this workbook here, he was preaching at a local congregation, and she said that congregation is known all around, because there are several faithful congregations down around the uh, Florida College campus, she said that congregation was known for their personal work. She said, if you were a part of that congregation, you could go, or even if you weren't, but you could go to a member's house every night of the week because they were having Bible studies Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, nonstop. And she said they were known for their personal work. And I thought, you know, that's really awesome. But it's sad that they were the exception to the rule, that there's so many congregations here in central Kentucky and wherever you want to go. And when you see a congregation like that, you go, wow, look at what they're doing. And they're the exception instead of all of us doing that. And again, I don't know what y'all are doing here, but I'm, I'm hoping to encourage you to whatever you're doing to do, just, just try a little harder and work a little harder. And um, the scriptures tell us to come and learn in Matthew uh, 11, 28, and 29. If you want to turn over there, we'll read that. I got my wife's glasses this afternoon. I left mine somewhere between here and uh, Lawrenceburg. Matthew 11, Chapter, the 11th chapter, verses 28 
Matthew 11, 28 and 29 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and will find re- and you will find rest for your souls. You know, most all of us here, except for the little ones, have, have done that. We've, we've come to Jesus Christ, and we've come and we're learning, and we're continuing to learn throughout our whole life. But over just not even several pages, let's turn over to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28, very familiar verse, finishing out verses, finishing out the book. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. So we're, we're told to come and learn, but after that, we're told to go and teach. A lot of us, and I, I'm, again, I speak for myself, we, we come in here and we learn and we study, and we're around people who can really help us to learn more about God's Word, but we don't go out and teach. And that's the part. The first part's easy. The second part is, is easy to forget. And uh, one thing, I used to use this very terrible excuse, and I had a brother many years ago set me, uh, set me straight on it, I would say, well, you know, I teach by my example. And uh, Grover Stevens said many, many years ago, he's, uh, somebody told him, said, um, you think you're better than everybody else. And he said, well, bless your heart. He said, we better be. He said, because if you can't tell any difference between the way I'm living and the way the people in the world are living, then there's something wrong, and it's wrong with me. And so I don't say I teach by my example. We have to. We need to. We better, we better be a shining example in a very, very terrible and sinful world. But don't let that be the point at which you stop. You, you say, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good example. Okay, what else are you doing? How much further are you going to go to help to teach those people around about you? And all of us know people in our family, uh, our friends, people we work with. All of us know people who are lost. And if we don't, if we don't do something about it, uh, well, let's just go ahead and turn over there. Here's a verse. Let's turn over to Ezekiel 3. We need to do it because we love them. <clears throat> but we need to do it also because of what, uh, what the consequences are. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 16. Let's start in verse 17. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Verse 20, Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, verse 21, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also you will have delivered your soul. Not only should we do it because we, we need to love, we don't need to love the world, but we need to love all those souls out there who are lost and have no hope right now. But we also need to do it because if we don't do it, we... All the people that we know that we don't teach day by day, 
You know, we sing a song, you never mention him to me. And if we're guilty of that, then we're going to be the ones that says their blood will be required. They're going to they're going to make their own choices. But if we don't warn them, then we're going to be guilty of that also. So do we have a plan? You know, many times I've been caught off guard, and I'm 50 years old, and I, you know, you think that, you would think that after a while I would I would have learned, but it took me a lot longer than it should have, that when people come up and all of a sudden want to start talking to you about the scriptures, that, you, that you're ready and you're prepared. And yeah, I knew a lot of scriptures, but I didn't, I didn't have a plan. You know, I plan for all kinds of things. I plan for the week. You know, I, I drive a route. In fact, I'll be in Nicholasville here tomorrow, and I plan for certain things. But there's been so many times in my life that I didn't plan, and somebody came up and asked a question, and they caught me off guard, and I just kind of wing it. And that's not doing me any good, and it's not doing them any good, and it's not uh, portraying God's Word in, in the most positive light when I claim to be a Christian, yet I can't tell them, I'm not going to have every answer. We're not always going to have every answer, but we need to be ready and have a plan in place that, um, that when people talk to us or when we go out and proactively talk to them, that we're ready and we're prepared. And so that's one thing we need to do. So it all comes down to how do we feel about personal evangelism. A lot of us leave it up to the preacher, and he needs to be doing it too, but his wife needs to be doing it, and every one of us in here of any age need to be doing that. We all we don't leave it up to somebody else. Uh, and I, I feel that a lot of times it's left up to others. Well, the elders can take care of that or the preacher can take care of that or so-and-so is a real good teacher. We'll let them take care of that. God doesn't say shirk our responsibility. God says you better get with it and, and get started. And so the question here, the question they have here, the first question right off the bat is how many people have I helped lead to Christ? Now, we know it's not all about numbers. We realize, you know, that you don't keep an account. Some people may, and that there's not a problem with that, but it's not, okay, hey, I got this many this year. I brought this many to Christ. But how many people have I helped lead to Christ? The only one that I can say definitely is my wife. And, you know, I've talked with others, but I haven't, I mean, dug in and worked hard and, and, and done the work that I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm admitting a lot of things up here, and I hope I'm the only one here that, that is guilty of, of this that has done this in the past, that all y'all are doing everything you can. But, you know, when I look over, I'm again, I'm 50 years old. How many people have, have helped lead to Christ? Her is because I had a vested interest. I mean, I absolutely just loved her. Still do. <laughs> but the next question is, how many people do I now, how many people do I now have my heart set on to win to Christ? And, you know, I can I can tell you that occasionally people run through my mind, but I don't have a plan for those people. Um, many years ago, in fact, when I was re studying on this, the last time I had a, and I may have even said it before, I had a little blank bookmark, and I wrote down people's names. And I wrote down, I wrote down 10 just like that, and I thought, man, that's going to be awful hard. So I cut it down to five, and I had people's, five people's names that I thought, all right, I'm going to work on. I'm going to figure out a plan to work for these people and try to teach them the gospel. And then, you know, and I thought, well, I'll stick it in my Bible, a little blank bookmark. Every time I opened that Bible, I saw those names. And it was a reminder of what I need to be doing about out here teaching these people and these friends and family, and it's all from all walks of life. <clears throat> and then I thought, okay, I'll, I'll work on them, 
And then, you know, if, if, if it continues and progresses, that's great. But, you know, there's going to be some people that are going to say, no, no, I don't want to. I'll mark them off the list and I'll go on down. I'll keep adding people. And I'm sorry to say that, you know, the enthusiasm for that waned just, you know, after two or three months. I lost my bookmark and I didn't, I didn't continue on in that. And that's, that's, my, that's a problem that, that I uh, struggle with a lot is continuing on with what I've started. And so how many people do I now have my heart set on? Do, does anybody in here have your heart set on winning someone to Christ? It may be a person you work with. It may be someone from your family. It could be your spouse. It could be, it could be anybody, somebody you work with that you just really, really care about quite a bit. And so you need to think about that. You need to think about how many people you've, you've led, you've helped lead to Christ, and how many people you now want to do. And again, these when I filled this out originally, I was very, very embarrassed about, about the, the terrible answers I had there. And the third question is, to what extent have I gone to try to win these people? A lot of times, I've just sat there and waited, and I've waited. And I've seen them, and I've been with them, I've worked with them, I've traveled with them, and I've waited. I've waited for somebody to say something about the Bible. And then, man, I'm ready to spring into action. You know, <laughs> you can't do that, can you? You, because they may not ever, they may say, yeah, Tim's a pretty good guy. He doesn't do like all those other guys do, but that may not be enough for them to say, hey, what, what about this? What about the Bible? I have a Bible question. And we can wait all our lives, and, and we're still going to be waiting, and we're not going to be doing the things that we need to be doing. So don't wait. Don't wait because, you know, this world could last for another 1,000 years. It could last for another hour. We don't know. Those people that you are going to make a list, and I hope you all do, make that list. Go to whatever extent is biblically and scripturally possible to, to win those people. Because, you know, you're going to find out after a while whether someone wants to hear the gospel or not. You go to them and you take it to them, and they're going to say, yeah, I'm interested. Let's study more. Or they're going to go get to a point where they say, you know what, I've had enough. And then it's a sad thing, but you have done what you're supposed to do move on to someone else. Maybe come back and talk to them later. And it's all going to work differently for everybody. Excuse me. But but go out and do it. Next question was approximately how many hours, and he has in parentheses, or minutes per week, do I average talking to people about the Lord? And that one was a really tough one. I had to sit there and think about it. And, you know, when I have to sit there and really, really go through my week, all right, who did I talk with about the Bible? Then I'm not talking about the Bible with somebody near enough. Um, you know, a lot of times you, you don't, the situation doesn't work, but sometimes it does, and you need to take advantage of those. And instead of, instead of again, just waiting for someone to mention the Bible, you need to be proactive. It's one of those words they use a lot at work. Be proactive, be on the offensive, and go to those people and take the gospel to them and not just wait on them. Here's another one. How often do I pray for certain individuals to obey the Lord or to be restored in faithful Christian duty? I, uh, the, the last part of that about being restored to faithful Christian duty, I, I sit down and, you know, I say a lot of the same things here when I come and see you guys. But I sat down and were, was thinking about all the individuals and even families that have been uh, disciplined had been withdrawn from from Overland over the years. I've been there, except for one year, I've been there since 1977. And so I've, I know the history. And I started writing a list down, and that list just got longer and longer and longer. And it was so sad that there are so many people who had left the Lord 
some who had just said, looked at us and said, I know what you're going to tell me, and I don't want to hear it. Don't call me. And they walked out, and they never darkened the door again. Then there were people that, you know, that members and elders worked with and worked with, and then they just decided that they loved the world more. And uh, for a variety of reasons, they all left the Lord. And, you know, what was even sadder about that was, as big as that list was, I'd forgotten people. Now, I don't remember a lot. I have, Lori will tell you, my memory's not all that great. But, but there were, they were brethren, and they are still brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ that are just unfaithful. And I had forgotten about them because they'd been gone so long. And the problem was I hadn't thought about them in so long that I'd forgotten them. And that's, and that's, that's just wrong. I mean, there's nothing other to say about that than that is just wrong. And so how often do I pray for them? You know, we need to pray every day. If we need to make a list and set it down on the table before you pray, pray for those people because you never know. Uh, well, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And so we know that prayer works and prayer helps, and we need to keep those people in our mind. And we need to also pray for those certain individuals, as it says, to obey the Lord. <clears throat> and then number six, do I ever pray fervently that I might become a better soul winner? That's another song we sing. I want to be a soul winner for Jesus every day. He's done so much for me. Those are good words, and that's exactly right. How many times have we sung that song and we've been lying when we've been singing that song? You know, um, someone impressed upon that a long time ago. I love to sing. I just love to sing, and there's beautiful melodies and wonderful words, but those words mean things. And when you get up there and you sing, I want to be a soul winner for Jesus because he's done so much for me, and then I walk out that door and I get in that van, and I don't pray about it again, or I don't even pray about it, and I don't talk to anybody for another week, another two weeks, three weeks, and then I just, by chance, run into somebody and talk about the gospel for 15 minutes. How much really do I want to be a better soul winner? I can tell you that if that's the way it is, then I'm not. I'm not trying really hard, and I'm lying when I sing that song, and we, can, we should not and cannot do that. <clears throat> do I sincerely try to help that prayer be answered? There are people who will pray, and then they expect God to just, just dump it on them, whatever they're praying for. All right, God, I've been praying every day for so long. Why haven't you done anything? There's a lot of things we can do when it comes to personal work. We can study. We can get a plan. We can get a correspondence course. We can get with someone who is a better speaker and is a better teacher and maybe has more social skills than we do, and we can go out and call people and say, hey, do you want to get together and study the Bible? You know, the worst they can do, I found out a long time ago, the worst they can do is say no. And it's not going to hurt. It will hurt my feelings. It will hurt me. But it's not going to be so much that it's just going just to stop me from continuing on and doing that. You call somebody and you say, hey, do you want to come to our Bible study? Do you want to do this? Do you want to come to church? You invite them to worship. And, you know, you're gonna, again, you're going to find out really quick whether they're interested or not. But you got to do that to find out. And then you can move on to maybe better prospects or ones who really truly want to know the Lord. Am I generally embarrassed to converse with people about Christ? You know, when I was a young man, when I was a, a teenager, that, that was me. I didn't want to talk about the Bible out in front of other people. And that was and shame on me for that uh, because, because I was embarrassed. And I don't know why. There was no logical good reason. I just, I, that was me, is I didn't, I didn't want to talk about it. And I got over that, thankfully. But don't be one of those who's embarrassed to talk about the scriptures. And I know they say, 
you've heard Dale saying you don't you don't discuss politics or religion. Definitely don't discuss politics these days. Those are my two favorite subjects. But don't discuss politics because that that is a that is a big uh, a big thing. But definitely discuss religion and not just in general. Tell people what it takes to become a child of God, a faithful child of God. And you know they're either going to turn their nose up at you and go, "No, nah, that's that's not the way it is," or they're going to say, "Again." tell me more, show me more, and then you go from there. But but do it. That's the thing is, I guess what I'm saying is, is we all have these ideas in our mind. We have all these ideas in our mind about what we need to be doing. And then a, a year goes by, and this year has gone by. Brother mentioned it's gone by so quick. And you know what? How much have I done? I've thought, of, thought about it a lot, but how much have I actually put into practice? And that's, that's the thing is uh, what we need to think about. Do I know enough scripture to help one become a Christian? If you are a child of God, you better know enough scripture to become a child of God. If you can't, if you can't say, this is, what, this is what you need to do to become a child of God, by all means, it's easy. By, but by all means, learn that. You may not know much more, but if you were a child of God, you knew, hopefully, why you became a child of God. And you can build on that. But you can tell someone, you need to hear the word. You need to, and you go on down those steps, and, and it's... You know, we, we, go, we go through those steps for a reason. Is because that's how you become a child of God. Yes, I've heard it since I was old enough to remember, and I'll hear it for another however many years I'm on this, on this earth. But that's how you become a child of God, knowing the steps to help to, uh, someone to convert them to become a Christian. Know that, and then if that's, um, if that's all you know, I, I guarantee you there's somebody out here or someone in your family that you can say, that's how much I know. Now I'm going to bring this person. I'm going to bring him to Kyle or bring her to Kyle and bring them over here to these brothers or sisters, and they'll help me to teach somebody. But by all means, again, do that. Do that. Do I honestly feel that I am my brother's keeper and that his salvation may depend largely upon me? Just like we talked about in Ezekiel 3, how many people in Tim's world or in Lori's world, how many people, yeah, they know she's a Christian. They know I'm a Christian. How many people have I directly talked to about the scriptures and I didn't warn them from their way? They're out there and they're living for the devil because you're either living for God or you're living for the devil. <clears throat> and how many people have I directly warned? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit there and be a good example, but how many people have I spoken to and said, hey, let's talk about your life. Let's talk about God. How many people have I done that? And we might be the only Christian. Here's another song. There's so many songs that you can think about when you're talking about this, about the world's Bible. We might be the only person that, a person in the world, we might be the only Christian that they know. And are we going to help them? Are we going to teach them? Are we going to be a good example to them? Or are we going to let them die and go to hell? Now, again, it's going to be up to them. But are we going to let it pass by? And I can think of, in, in, my, uh, in my years of people that I knew that aren't living any longer that I never spoke to about the gospel. And so we need to, <clears throat> excuse me, we need to realize and honestly feel that we are our brother's keeper and that we need to take it upon ourselves to say that everybody that I know, that, that it is, I, I'm trying, I, that their salvation may depend largely on me, we need to say, yes, it depends on me, and take it upon ourselves to go out and be that person. And again, don't leave it up to somebody else. Don't leave it up to chance. Don't leave it up to anything else. Then their salvation depends on me. Now, what am I going to do about it? 
am I, am I going to send them a card? Am I going to invite them to worship? Am I going to invite them to a Bible study? Am I going to live right in front of them? We, and we better do all those. We, we should try to do all those. Another one is, have I offered the excuse I don't know how for not doing personal work? You know, there's a lot of things that I don't know, I didn't know how to do, but then I learned how to do them. You know, I, I finished drywall. I've been finishing drywall for probably close to 35 years of my life. You know, there's time I didn't know how to finish drywall. Some people may say I still don't know how, but, but I finished drywall. It's because I learned. I had someone who taught me how to do it the right way, and you do that. You know, my, uh, my grandfather painted for a living. There was probably a time that he didn't know how to paint, but he learned, and he raised, he raised 12 kids on that. There's all kinds of things that we don't know how to do, but if we truly want to do them, what do we do? We study on them. We learn, and we learn how to do it. Now, do we truly want to convert people? Or are we just going to let somebody else do it? Or are we just going to let it go by the wayside? We can't do that. We can't do that. Don't use, I don't know how. I know there's, uh, I've used that excuse, and, and I don't want my son to use that excuse. Don't ever say, I don't know how. You might say it once, but then we can learn from that, can't we? <clears throat> do I think that I can ever really learn uh, how until I try? Of course, the answer is, uh, no, we need to get out there and try. And it's just, when do I plan to begin? When do you plan to begin? Are you going to say, all right, uh, I'm going to start January 1st. I'm going to start the new year. And that's a good good time for resolutions. But, um, you know, January 1st may not ever make it. We might, we, we, we might not make it January 1st. I, I would hope that you go home tonight and with just 15 or 20 minutes, write down a list of people that you're thinking about, uh, that you care about, that you love, and that you want uh, to see obey the gospel. Because this is the most important thing they can, they can ever they can never be a part of. And write down that list and stick it on your refrigerator, stick it in your Bible, put it on your dashboard. Do whatever you can to be reminded of those people and then, and then go out and, do, and ask them and try to, try to teach them. <clears throat> Question, am I interested enough in heaven and does it mean enough to me that I earnestly desire others to go with me? How many people in here want to go to heaven? Okay, okay. There's only one alternative. There's only one alternative. There's not heaven and hell for the really bad people and then a lot of other places in between. We all want to go to heaven. We sing about heaven. There's, you know, we sing the song, we read of a place called heaven. We, we, we know when we see the, uh, in the scriptures about the description of heaven that as beautiful as that is, it's not even going to come close to what heaven actually is. Heaven's going to be beautiful. It's going to be eternal. God's going to be there. And on the flip side of that is hell is going to be everything that that is not. It is going to be uh, outer darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth, and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are not going to be there. And that's going to be the worst part of it is they're not going to be there, and there will be no chance, no opportunity for us to leave that. Both of those are eternal. So if we all want to go to heaven, everybody threw their hand up. If we all want to go to heaven, don't we want to take as many people with us and invite as many people to share in the gospel and to go with us as possible. Now, not all of them are going to say yes. Not all of them. A lot, in fact, percentage-wise, probably a lot of them are going to say no. But that doesn't relieve us of our responsibility. If you say, well, you know, they're just going to say no anyway. How do you know? How do you know until you ask them? <clears throat> and then we need to remember this. God knows what I really can and what I can't do. Um, and we can't deceive God. I can use that sorry old excuse of I don't know how, I don't know enough, well, I'm just not good with people, I, I don't. I, and we can use, a, there's probably a 100 excuses we've used in the past. 
God's not going to say, well, Tim, you know what? That, you know, you weren't, you weren't very good, uh, very good with people. So, you know, I'm going to let you slide. I'm going to let it, I'm going to hold everybody else responsible for that, but I'm going to let you slide. God's not going to do that. And so we need to realize that not only because we love those folks out in the world and out in the world, meaning those who are not a part of the body of Christ, but we're also going to be held responsible for what we do or what we don't do. So we need to get out there and, and make a plan and start studying. If we don't know enough, um, I'm sure, and I, I'm, I'm going to dump on Kyle here, not dump on him here, but, you know, if you don't know enough, sit down with Kyle or with another brother or sister, and they will help you get to a point where you can show people the steps of salvation where they can sit down, and if you don't know anything else, you can talk to people about that. And you know what? That's a start. But then you need to build on that, and you need to continue to grow. Because as you, when I became a Christian, when I was 16 years old, I haven't grown like I, have in, like I should have in, in, in certain areas. But you either grow or you die. Because if you're not growing, there's something wrong. And so you need to know more scripture. You need to study to show your, ourselves approved. We need to do these things and be ready to give an answer to all those who ask us for the reason for the hope that's within, within us. If I was to ask you all, could you give... Could you say, yeah, this is why I'm a Christian? I mean, that's kind of a scary thing. If I point it right back at you and you say, all right, now, uh, Kyle, why, why are you a Christian? What, what made you do? What made you do that? Could you stand up here and say, yeah, that's why? Or you go, well, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, my mom and dad, we've always kind of gone to church and everything like that. You need to be able to answer that and be able to teach others that. And so that's, that's basically my lesson tonight is that, if we, if we don't care about the, uh, the, the folks out in the world, uh, we need to change our attitude. I mean, there are so many, and I don't know how many people you come in contact with every day of your life, but I come in contact with, you know, 100 people at least every day, probably more. What am I doing? Am I hiding from them? Am I shielding my faith? Am I not, am I not mentioning at every opportunity that I can? what I need to be doing. And if that's the case, I need to change that. I need to repent and I need to turn from that and I need to become uh, more, more apt and have, make more opportunities. There's been so many opportunities in my life to teach people that I've let go by because I wasn't prepared and I wasn't ready and I was scared and I didn't know enough. And again, all those excuses I've brought up <clears throat> and there's been so many opportunities that have just gone by and, and I, I look back at those, and it, it makes me really sad. But what am I doing now? Am I looking back in regret? And I, am I still missing opportunities as I go on down through my life? That can't be the thing. We need to change. We need to change the way we think about things, the th change the way we do things if we're not out there teaching uh, the, the folks in the world and encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ who, are, who have left the faith or some who are weak, even some who are weak. Don't leave it up to somebody else. You be the one. John Calipari says, you be the best version of yourself that you can be. And that's exactly it. Don't be the same person that you were five or ten years ago, 15 or 20 years ago. If you, if you are that same Christian you were 15 or 20 years ago and you're not progressing and getting stronger and out teaching others, then you need to examine your life and you need to, you need to see what's missing. See what's missing. I haven't talked anything about actually becoming a child of God uh, this afternoon, but 
that is always this is the most important part. That's a that's a uh, a very good reminder of what we need to be doing about our personal evangelism. But the most important part is the invitation that that uh, Christ offers. He offers <clears throat> that you can come and you can be forgiven of all the sins in your life. And when you look back over your life, maybe uh, if you're not a child of God, you know those sins keep you from having a home in heaven. We just talked about they keep you from from everything that is good and wonderful. And you can do you can become a child of God this afternoon or if uh, you are a child of God and you've been missing, you've been uh, not living right and if you you've been living more for yourself, which in turn truly if we're not living for God, then we're living for the devil. And you've been living in a way that has brought reproach upon this congregation, brought reproach upon uh, Christ or upon yourself. Uh, we, we can help you take care of that as we stand and sing.